space, the final frontier. Much the Neutral Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies, where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. I am, as ever, your host, Corrine, joined by the fantastic Kim. Hello. And I'm ambivalent about Ari today. I think that falls straight in the middle of the usual. Yeah. Ambivalent. Hmm. We'll go with that. And welcome to episode 25, Devil in the Dark, or This is Horta! No. No. Really? Guys. Five or a six out of ten? We think him. Four. What? Ooh. Well, she's always a harsher judge. Clearly. I will I will enjoy your Star Trek The Next Generation title puns much better than your original series. So one. my other uh, alternate title for this one was Revenge of the Carpet Beetles. Ooh. Also good? I think I made the right choice. Anyhow, welcome to Silicon Monster. I have been looking forward to us getting to this episode for ages. Whenever... I think about original Star Trek series, I think about Silicon Monster. Apparently, I'm not the only one. Arthur C. Clarke, when asked to remember original series episode, the only one he could really come up with was Silicon Monster. That's fair. Um, And he had a really good quote about it in that it really struck him as an episode because it was one where human beings were able to see something completely different from themselves, but kind of find a rapport and work with them, unlike politicians of the day. This is definitely one of the mo- the first really alien aliens that we encounter in yes. Star Trek. Yes. Yeah. I mean, apart from the lizard people, who we barely see, this may be the first non-obviously descended from a similar line as humans alien that... No. Okay. No. So we had bird person salt monster, mm-hmm. who's quasi... Salt monster, I would say, is quasi-humanoid. We also mm-hmm. had the spores in the Fun Times episode, which were sentient in a way because they that's had a true. plan. That's but true. But this is the first kind of alien alien that doesn't look like anything that we see that's, I'd say, an intelligent species. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to get this out because I was trying to think of how to describe the Horta. Should I give it to you guys now? Yeah. What sure. did you come up with? Okay. So, you put a meat lover's pizza into a blender. <laughs> And then you pour out the contents of that blender onto a shag carpet. Yeah, that's accurate. It's not far off, definitely. I was going to say it looks like a molten lava flying rug. Ooh, that's good too. Yeah. So, okay, so you, you're you saying you've been looking forward to this. Arthur this C. Episode. Clark will really like this episode. Love yeah. this episode. No memory of this whatsoever. Which is really funny, actually. I, I was sitting there and I'm watching this and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And the monster shows up and I'm just like... What kind of, first off, my initial reaction was, what kind of fuckery is this? And then I just had, I'm like, I've never seen this before. I would remember the terrible costuming on this monster. Maybe I skipped it? I don't know. Maybe I blocked it out? Absolutely fascinating, Kim, because as I was watching this episode, I realized that I had this incredibly vivid and detailed memory of this episode. Not of the (laughs) the entire episode, but the the scene where Kirk realizes that it's intelligent. Yeah, and it does the wiggity wiggity. Yeah. And they do this sort of back up, back forward, step forward, they square back dance. up. The, yeah, they square dance. The little sort of, ooh, oh, okay. Where he realizes that it's not just a mindless. I have this incredibly vivid childhood memory of that scene, which I had completely lost until I rewatched this episode. So, 
I want to give you a little bit of background before we get into this episode. Please do. So this episode essentially came about because of one man whose name I am about to slaughter. Is it the gentleman who played it? It's Janos Prohaska. Sounds about right. I am not Hungarian, so that's as good as it's going to get for me. That is a reasonable reading. It is. So he was, and I'm going to refer directly to the Memory Alpha description of him. He was a Hungarian stuntman, actor... An animal imitator. An acrobat. Like you do. So he essentially kind of showed up. Yeah. And was like, let me show you my animal imitations. And they were like, okay. (laughs) Um, And the first one he did was in The Cage, the original series of The Cage, where he dressed up as, you remember when they go through the entire like menagerie of animals, there's that weird bird thing? Yes. So he was originally bird, and there was a cut scene between... Him and Jeffrey Hunter, where they were supposed to have some kind of amazing interaction, but apparently, Janos took it a little too far. He got a little bit too into the chicken. And Did this, he, like, start grooming Jeffrey Hunter or something? Could be. Could be. But the director saw this and was like, his direct quote is, I remember there being some chicken, some killer fowl being locked in some cell somewhere, and I'm talking to the stuntman. It's crazy. Me talking to this Janus, who was Hungarian or something, saying, Janus, okay, that's good, baby. Now try this. I mean, there's this big chicken. This killer chicken or some equivalent. I mean, it was nuts. (laughs) (laughs) The performance was too weird to be in the episode with the beluga brains. Wow. That's impressive. Yes. And they also brought him in for a spec to show off his chimpanzee outfit. Oh, no. Oh, yes. So he wasn't just wearing the chimpanzee. He was the chimpanzee. He didn't have the mind of a human anymore. All he could be was chimp. He was like method before there was method. Wow. But it gets awful. So he squatted, chattering, scratching himself like Tarzan's pet ape. His performance was impressive, um, says Justman. But then one of the secretaries walked in. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yanis leaped onto her and, in hominid fashion, attempted to take uncalled-for sexual liberties. After we pried him off her, which wasn't easy, he apologized for the chimp's actions. I hope oh, she can... Because I have a vision in my head of what a 1960s secretary dress is like, I hope she kicked him in the fucking face with her giant-ass heels. We can only hope. So, fast forward to this. They brought... This is the thing that gets me. They brought him back. They brought him back. back. He attacked a a woman on set, and they bring him back. Ah, patriarchy. And they didn't even use him for other things, because it was too crazy. So, imagine this. You're Gene Kuhn, the producer of Star uh-huh. Trek. You're sitting in your office one day, and Janos, the guy who thinks he is a chimpanzee when he puts on a chimpanzee but he was like a furry before there were furry. Mm, I don't think. No, no. He, he was a dedicated furry, we'll say. Shows up in the office with the Horda costume. He made his own costumes. So they had an agreement if he, they built a creature that they could use they would rent the costume from him and he would perform it Mm -hmm. so he shows up in the office with that saying look what i designed and gene coon says that's great what is that (laughs) where yana says i don't know it can be whatever you want and coon says okay i'll write a script about it 
Four days later. Oh my god. <laughs> I believe that this script took four days to write. Kim, Kim, you, you don't slag on Silicon Monster. Not in my house. Not in my house. So yeah, apparently he, he put on the outfit and did the little like wiggly dance. Uh-huh. The little shimmy. And they're like, yeah, we could write an episode of television about that. <laughs> oh my god. Old Hollywood was... It's so crazy. This is like the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> really? This is really terrible. It gets worse. Oh god. There's not a single Because <laughs> that's as far as I got that's in the fair. story. Yeah. There's not a single line of dialogue that a woman says in this entire episode. Nope. Is there even I a woman who appears on screen? No. Uh, there's no. one. Yeah. When they go back to the bridge, she walks across and I was like, Oh <gasps> come back! Come back. Um, also, William Shatner's father passed away. Oh yeah, during the production of this. That's why this is his apparently his favorite episode. Okay, wait, wait. Yeah. Are there no ladies in this episode no. to keep them away from Janos? You know what? Oh. Okay, actually, if he has a reputation of uh, you know getting too into character and attacking people, so he wouldn't try and burn a lady down. Oh, not to kind of disparage this man who tragically died in a plane accident. <laughs> Um, yeah. Maybe that's why there's no ladies in the episode. I, I think they generally just did not want ladies doing labor, um, because it happens in a mine, right? There's yeah, not lady even, miners. They cannot happen. I think, again, that's pushback, like, post-war, and that you yeah. wouldn't, have, wouldn't want women doing men's work, so only the men can be in the mine. But yeah, William Shatner's father passed away yeah. during, um, and he, he does, he says this is... He says many episodes are his favorite episode, because of course he does. But this one, because the cast and crew helped him, because yeah. he insisted on working through the production of the episode regardless, mm-hmm. and he felt the cast and crew really helped him through the experience, and he felt really close to them afterwards. And that during the Mind Melt episode, uh, Leonard Nimoy made him laugh so hard. <laughs> Which is fair, because it yeah. made me laugh, too. <laughs> oh my god. Well, this episode just got even, like... Layers upon layers <laughs> upon layers. Wow. Just like a mine. Also, <laughs> just to add more on top of that, Roddenberry said this is one of his favorite episodes, especially with dealing with aliens, because he said, if you can feel for a horda, you may also be learning to understand and feel for other humans of different colors, ways, and beliefs. I'm going to cry. And that is the thesis statement of Star Trek. It is. And this is why this is one of my favorite episodes. That life may not be what what we think it is. Or just, what it looks like for us. Yeah. But, but it's, it's still life, life nonetheless. Yeah. Like, screw Wack and Train to the Stars. I'm sorry. But that is the true meaning of Star Trek. Aww. That is the true meaning of Star Trek. I think we're all going to start crying <laughs> It's true. It's so it beautiful. It's lovely. It's so Pull yourself together, man. I can't. I need a cup of tea. <laughs> Sorry, tea break, guys. Tea break. I love hearing quotes from Roddenberry about what he thought Star Trek was. Like, I love it. It makes me really happy about how great he thought it was. Aww. The thing is that it's not, it's, it's never like, look how cool this, because that's what Kim said right before, and Kim Crane yelled at me to start <laughs> During recording our tea again. Um, it's never like, look at this cool thing I made. It's, look how good we could be. That, and again, that is what I like about Star Trek versus some other more dystopian sci-fi. Let's go with Battleship, yeah. Battlestar Galactica. Yes. Is that it's... Which is so depressing the, that I literally cannot there. watch it. It is hopeful. And yeah. it might be a fool's hope. Yeah. 
But it is hopeful. Yeah. I think we need another tea break, guys. <laughs> All right, we're going to attempt to work through this episode. We may need to take subsequent breaks for crying. Tea. When I say tea, I mean tears. <laughs> so we open up on another majestic oh map painting. So beautiful. So beautiful. I love that. Even though it is of a mine. Mm-hmm. But it is a beautiful map painting. It and is amazing. All the map paintings so detailed. Here are so good. I'm wondering if there's like a. I should look and see if we can find a book or something that's got all like the mat art for this Ooh. series. That'd be so pretty. If anyone's looking for a Christmas present for Kim, you've mm. got nine months to find it. <laughs> the hint has been dropped. And this is a very colorful set, con- considering that it is in mine. I think you mean the outfits are very colorful. The the, outfits are, that the is part of what set I mean. Yes. Is basically brown. Well, no, it's no, beautiful. It's all shimmery it's and blue, blue green and, and gray green. and. Maybe all sorts of fascinating colors in this. It's gorgeous. I think I was watching a non-remastered version. Maybe. Because yeah. It was not beautiful. It was really the, drab. The walls were all... When you get up close, they're sort of shimmery blue-green on the gray. It's no, they were not. Fascinating. Like Except maybe- for the Horda Tunnels, which are made of duct tape. <laughs> but the other most colorful, colorful thing are the miners themselves. They're such a rainbow of fun! The galaxy's orangest and yellowest and pinkest. Purplest! There was three colors, though. Leader guy was wearing yellow, all the worker bees were wearing orange, and the one guy who was going to show up to disagree later was in pink. That's hot it. Pink. Three Isn't colors. Purple? There were purple, two people sorry, in purple. purple. Yeah. Purple. But I thought he was hot pink. No, he was, there was one guy in purple and that was him. Was anyway, green. they're very brightly colored. They're beautiful. They're they like, also have these little decorative brooches. Oh yeah, bottom. they're bejeweled yeah. rank like, insignia. This is, I want to note that this is not like a hard labor mining situation. This is a we use machines labor situation because A, look at what the hell they're wearing. <laughs> Gorgeous. They're like they're amazing. The polyphonic spree of mining. Yeah, it's so brightly colored. And B, I mean, they would also be very useful if they happen to get caught in a cave in. Just look for the bright pink. I really mm. think something has suffered in my viewing in terms of colors from not seeing a remastered version because this was like it was boring. It was just average drab brown. I was I was continually shocked by the pops of color in this one. It is gorgeous. Yeah, I thought the caves. I would have lived in those caves. If I had to, sure. If I had to choose a cave on Star Trek that I've seen so far to live in, mm, that would be the cave I would choose. There's better caves later on, but so far, sure. Oh, yeah, there's, like, the sexy bondage cave. <laughs> Speaking of which, this is a weird and kind of notable in that we open our episode not with any of our crew. Not a single no. one of them. This not is... to be found. Yeah, this is maybe the second time that's happened. It's not usual, certainly. I think it's the first time. Well, the other time is, um... There's occasionally... Tomorrow is yesterday, which starts on past Earth with the Air Force guys. Yeah, that's true. But they're still there. Yeah, but they're They're not not in scene. Yeah, these guys are... The other notable thing is that they're they're actually talking about the Enterprise, which has not yet arrived. um, Because they're sort of... (laughs) The orangest miners in the world are sort of sneaking around... Wearing a lot of eyeliner and a oh, yes. lot of eyeshadow. And there is what I could only assume to be a red TARDIS in the background at some point. Sure. Yeah, sure. Good enough. I th- wasn't there a Doctor Who episode like this? Mining people made of goop? More than one. <sighs> There's Dr. definitely Who. more than one that takes place in a mine. Doctor Who, I don't know when to quit you. <laughs> um, but they're sort of like, oh, well, we haven't seen anything. And I don't know if it's, I don't think it's the mine boss. It's just some random other miner. No one ever does. I love this. So I do too. We know that there's this hidden menace and that someone yeah. has to keep guard, but essentially that is 
a death note. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you're definitely going to get murdered by this mysterious thing that's killed 50 people, but someone has to keep watch. Someone has to keep alert and then call it in while you're dead. Sorry. You'll only be there for three minutes. And they're like, three minutes is a long time. (laughs) They're all, like, deliciously grizzled and jaded and fearful. Oh, I lapped it up. One of them says, is it true the Enterprise is coming? That's the guy who's getting left behind. Yeah. yeah. When they say a lot could happen in three minutes, the Enterprise will not be arriving in the next three minutes. No, no, no. He's like, we'll get here in the next four hours. Because that's his which shift. Which is the length of his shift. Oh, bro. Yeah. No. It's like, it's like telling someone you're retiring next week. You're to retiring tomorrow and you bought a boat, boat or a plane ticket. And you're really yeah. looking forward to spending time with your wife. <laughs> Dude. It's exactly that. And my question is, what the hell are they guarding? A couple of rocks? I think the machinery, because that's what kept What are they going to do no when idea. they see this Especially thing. since apparently shooting at it with phasers just doesn't it work. What would you even do? I don't know. What were they planning to do at the end of the episode when all the miners are running around with the steel pipe? They were going to beat it to death. Why right. are they doing that now? They didn't have much of a plan. They weren't very organized. They were just so angry. This intro was very explainy, and it existed basically to give us the lowdown on what was happening in the episode and catch us up. I liked it. So, Kim, I'm going to broker absolutely no dissent on this. It was an amazing opener and is essentially, like, the alien of Star Trek. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a very good opener. It gave us exactly the information we needed, and then we could just proceed. Um, and because what, he gets murdered. Oh, yeah, about 15 seconds after they leave, he's sort of, like, walking around, <laughs> wandering the mines, well out of sight and earshot of the other miners, not that they could do anything anyway. He's, these guys are essentially, like, yeah. the blonde, sexy cheerleaders. <laughs> yeah, basically. And then, big thing, roars up out of the dark, and poor Schmitter. Yeah, poor he Schmitter. He didn't have a chance. So he's here's burned to a crisp. crisp. But we don't see the body because this no, is... No, they don't want to pay for that attack. No, no, they did not. No, we get to see it once later on. Mm-hmm. But not I'm, this guy's body. No, not this guy. So here's my... I'm not even going to say the word quibble because this episode is flawless and amazing. Oh, God. <laughs> the monster... episodes. Yes, it is. The monster has both a theme song and it makes a very specific noise before it shows up. Yeah. One could almost say, like, warning noise. <laughs> One could almost say, huh, that's the noise that happens before people get killed. Is it a real noise, though? Or it's like, was it a... <laughs> okay. And it goes on for quite a while, because he has enough time to kind of look around and go, huh, well, I hope I, my will is up to date. Because I think that's supposed to be the noise of the monster, like, chewing through the yeah. rock. It, okay. Yeah. Ari, take that thought further. Yeah. It is chewing through rock. It is making noise. And when you heard that noise, would you not bolt? Well, I would now, knowing that there is a monster, but maybe the monster chewing through walls makes the same noise as their equipment chewing through walls? They shut off their equipment. Well, in that case, no, he's an idiot. He definitely had enough time to call his friends back so they could gang bang this thing or whatever. <laughs> or curb stomp it or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what my gang terminology is. <laughs> wait, wait, you no. I, we've had this discussion. I take you. back the gang bang. I, we, I've had many discussions about what a gang bang is. Yes. So it was not that. It was some sort of a curb stomping activity that they should have engaged in. So in the porno version of The Devil in the Dark. They all no, learn to get along after all. No need to rename the episode. No, just add in some like saxophone and... You could recut that to be a, yeah, a sexy... Totally. All that pulsing and... Yeah, the heartbeat noise. 
down. Okay, so it's start date 31.96.1. They are going to Janus 6 to meet mm, Vanderberg? Vanderbus? Dr. Vanderberg. Dr. Butts. Vanderbutts? Vanderberg. Ooh, I didn't bad. even try and write this guy's name down. I was just like, he's the guy in yellow. I wrote yeah. it down once, and then it was just VB for the rest of the... Uh... Yeah. So Vanderbutts, they have to go rescue his mining operation, where they're mining... Everything. Pregium? Yeah. Pregium, and then everything, basically. Yes. Because this, this planet has treasure it all. trove of minerals. Yeah. So Pregium is what runs nuclear reactors. Apparently. And that people really need it. Yes. It runs entire colonies. Yeah, it's like the yes. power generating system... So that's the only reason why the Enterprise is there, because it makes the stuff that makes the stuff go. Mm. And so it's important, but if otherwise, I'm pretty sure they would just let all those miners get eaten. Yeah, that was um, one of the things I was thinking about for this episode, is this is, up until Kirk decides there's something worth fighting for on the planet, he is very much, you know capitalism Kirk here to get your it production schedules back on track. Well, it's, 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 it reminds you that the Federation and Starfleet is a quasi-military operation. Well, the thing is that he has a complete personality swap about this. Like, at the beginning of the episode, Vanderberg is like, I'm worried about my people. And Kirk's like, but we have to get your mining operation back on track because... Schedules. Schedules. But then at the end of the episode, they completely swapped... <laughs> And Kirk's like, okay, no, you have to evacuate because you're all going to be poisoned by, like, the lack of oxygen because your reactor's gone. And he's like, but money! <laughs> I was very confused. Yeah. Did you get the sense that he didn't believe Vanderberg? Because I did. That, that there was no monster? That there was no monster and people were just quitting? I like. I felt like when he showed up, he didn't, like, yeah, 50 people are dead. I'm sure they're dead. Could you show me a body? That's a good point. I mean, if they're just disappearing... Yeah, or they're just slacking off Burn and using it as a excuse. Oh, well, there's a monster that ate my homework and then burned my car, so I had See, to See, if that had been pushed just a little bit more, it would have made a lot more sense. And I kind of wish they had now, because it seemed really out of character and harsh at the beginning. The it way seemed harsh, because 50 people 50 are dead. 50 people? Like, I would have given you five. Sure. Mm-hmm. Apparently we can't put a price on human life. <laughs> and that's five. Um, but 50 is an yeah. excessive amount. It just seems Since really apparently odd. there's only like 20 other people around. There's not that many. No. Well, we only see maybe 20 other people. But like, from what we see, a majority of the mining colony has been... Well, no, I mean, he talks about other people. But we only see this many people. So, so it's really is a significant number of people. So like, I'd dead. rather not evacuate you because schedules doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. Well, I think that we're supposed to believe that there are thousands of planets that rely on the minerals yeah. coming out of this mine in order to survive. And so he's like, okay, your 50 lives versus the thousands of lives in all these colonies. Chop, chop. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, they, they it's like... They it better. He could have had a little bit of compassion for the 50 people who died and the bunch of people who were like, uh, we're really afraid we're going to be murderated. Yeah. I, I, for some reason, thought that he thought that they were making it up. No, I never got that sense. Well, they're definitely very skeptical about the monster in the They're skeptical the about the monster because... Yeah. It's so like, oh, a monster. They, they beam down and Vanderberg has an amazing just sort of slide show ready yeah. for them. yeah, yeah. That he's printed off on big paper. He says, um, this is where he says it's a treasure house. Could supply the whole Federation if mining conditions weren't so difficult. Because difficult meaning deadly. And 
So they're like... But you got the impression that it was difficult before people started dying en masse. So Kargassian was their new volcanic activity. Yeah. <laughs> really like that. Yeah. <laughs> Could it not be a monster, but instead a volcano? Um, to which they answer, no. <laughs> I think they would have noticed a volcano and like sent a snapshot. <laughs> like yeah. this volcano has been getting up and killing people in the night. <laughs> I mean, Could does, somebody bring a does, giant plug? It does kind of look like a volcano. I mean. It's volcanic. Looking. That's why yeah. it, it looked like a molten lava ca- flying carpet is the way yeah, I'm yeah, describing yeah, yeah. it. Like, and he's, 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 yeah. We know that there are advanced recording technologies on the bridge of the Enterprise. <laughs> they're able to zoom in. How are there not cameras in the mine tunnels? How are there not cameras in the mine tunnels? Especially this... when like the first two people die. Surely to God, like space health and safety showed up and went, okay, here are recommendations to ensure yeah. that this doesn't happen again. Space Ocean. <laughs> Apparently space Ocean. this mining colony doesn't have a, an HR department either. <laughs> <sighs> Also, he, well, because he talks about, um, he's like, it was fine, it was fine, it was fine. And then we got, like, what, 20 levels deep. And we broke through to this new level, and shit started going down. And did anybody else get a Mines of Moria vibe off of Oh, this? yeah, we dug The dwarves deep. dug too <laughs> greedily <laughs> and too deep. Yes. So this is the Balrog, basically. Ah, oh. That, that, that really works. Yeah. That really, really works. If only Gandalf had sat down and really talked with the Balrog, like, <laughs> Why are you so upset that we're here? <laughs> is there more, anything that we can do to reconcile our two points I of view to both enjoy the mind? I would have been more interested if uh, Spock had started shouting, You shall not pass! in the tunnel. <laughs> in a way the pizza monster did, because yeah. it brought down the wall. the wall. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god, people! It all makes sense now. So they kept a body on ice for McCoy because he's into that. And when we say body, it's basically a heap of ashes. Yeah. Except we don't know that because we don't get to see We don't get to see any of this. He says, he says we kept it, we kept the remains, what was left of them. What would McCoy even do? Like, poke it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, them is ashes. He's so angry this whole episode because like nothing that he has to deal with is a human body in any way, shape, or form. It's like first he gets a pile of ashes and then he gets a rock monster. Yes. So then I still think they don't believe him because they're like, some, one of them has seen it. And they bring in Ed Appel. Yeah. In his amazing purple jumpsuit. Yep. And he's like, I totally saw it and I shot it. And they're like, uh-huh. Well, the thing is, the thing that got me later on was he described it as big and shaggy. It's yeah. flat and and bumpy. Well, it's got sort of it's got like cilia thing on the yeah. bottom. So that that could be so, shaggy as in a shag carpet. Unless it was like rearing up. It and did maybe. though. Yeah, it, it does. When it kills people, it rears it, up. I don't know. I thought his description in in light of what we got was not okay. And Spock is interested by this because yeah, when they shoot it, it doesn't slow it down. It don't care. Nope. It just or makes it mad. Um, and Spock is well. Uh, I just wrote him down as Pinky because I did not get his name. But he's very skeptical about the Enterprise crew's ability to do a goddamn thing about this. Which it's is like, fair because yeah. 50 people yeah. are dead. Presumably a fair number of them shot at it. Or at least tried. But there's nothing you can do because there's a corrosive agent that apparently just like yeah juices you. Yeah, because that's, um, that's what Bones eventually says. He's like, yeah, it... It's like it's like they're doused in the most powerful acid in the universe, mm-hmm. which is not what it looks like when we actually see the remains. But what? <laughs> not at all. No. So Spock decides to take this time to go examine Vanderbutt's <laughs> office balls. decor. He goes to fondle his ball. 
His singular ball. See, I was so <laughs> upset when I saw that there was going to be a giant bunch of, like, a, <laughs> a, a large trove of balls. A large quantity of <laughs> spherical objects. Made of silicone. In this episode. <laughs> Probably medical grade. Because I was, I was just sitting there going, oh great, I have to put up with Kareem making ball jokes for the entire recording. <laughs> that reminds me. Sorry, Cyber. Hold that thought because it's amazing. Uh-huh. Yes. We are now an explicit podcast. <gasps> Did I tell you? Uh-huh. Because iTunes changed their rules. They used to have three options for if you were clean. We were not clean. Mm-hmm. There was explicit if you use bad words or talk about touchy subjects. And there was no. Which was, What is no? It means that you didn't want to identify yourself as one or the other. And we aren't particularly explicit in my opinion, but we do use bad words. So we are now an officially explicit podcast. Let's talk about balls! And now back to balls camp. Oh, I'm so <laughs> upset. <laughs> so Spock picks up Vanderbutt's massively oversized ball. And starts like rolling it around, stroking it, stroking, admiring how spherical and smooth and hairless it is. See, this right here is why I was not excited to come and record this episode with you guys today. And then, and then about she's still making fondling motions with her hand. Oh, you like my ball? No, lots more where they came from. Thousands of them. I've had a treasure trove of such. Pure and they, silicone And they balls. started finding these oh. when they broke through the new level. Okay. I don't want to I know. <laughs> this is what I said. I'm not Sherlock Holmes here. But hmm. when one leads to two. Perfectly spherical, mysterious, almost pure silicone balls. Modules. Nodules. Modules. Nodules. Spherical objects. Strewn about. You've never seen these at any point before. Wouldn't your first thought be... Oh, something alive made these. See, anytime I see any kind of circular object, first I have to fondle it. But then my thought is usually, oh, it's an egg. Yeah. Which was the very first thing that I thought after I started, stopped laughing about, you know, the ball jokes that I knew were coming. Yeah. So Vanderbutt says, oh, it's a, a geological oddity. Yeah. Yeah, it is odd, isn't it? It's very odd. Is it not very odd? Worth, like, a raised eyebrow and, like, huh, let's stick a pin in this and just kind of think about it for two shakes. Although definitely don't literally stick a pin in it. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So, there's nothing weird about this at all. No. And this is when Bones calls. Because there's only bones and teeth left. Yeah. Uh, They didn't burn. They corroded. Like, with acid. Oh! Hmm. What makes acid? Is it a living... Thing that might also lay some kind of eggs. I don't know if acid traditionally leads to life. Like, I guess lemons are alive in a sense. But don't chemicals just naturally occur? I don't. In, in the nature? I sure. Don't think you just mines? get puddles of acid lying around. Well, it would have to be like a torrent of acid to be dissolving entire humans. Maybe like a hose. A hosing system? A natural acid hose. <laughs> <laughs> you walked right into that. Thank you, Kim. Um, oh, I'm so done with you guys. <laughs> so, Spock says our sensors are only showing... no life. No life. Only he, only the human beings we know are they here. They don't believe him. No. I really think they don't, because they're like, yeah, we scan this with our massive, powerful scanners. And we found 
nothing. Just just humans. Just humans. As However, far as the eye can I want see. to point out though that this does go with the sort of theme of the episode is that they don't have a basis for comparison for this. That they are only going on rea- the world as they know it. And this, yeah. the, the, the actual answer to this mystery is something completely outside of their experience. Yeah. Oh, well, all of our tools and all of our knowledge say that this can't be happening. Yeah. But it turns out that it's the tools and the knowledge that have a flaw. Mm-hmm. Not, it's incomplete. It's yeah. incomplete. Yeah. Yeah. All very thematic, that theme mm-hmm. is. And so we go out to, they are sending people down the tunnels to go find this monster slash die. To like, try, uh, Spock's like, maybe we can lure it out. <laughs> and Kirk's like, there are hundreds and hundreds of miles of tunnels. We can't actually search them all on foot. But they do. But they do. They send out Blondie, who... Poor, poor, poor Blondie. Poor, Blondie, minor guy, who lasts even less time than the first guy. He essentially is there to die. Yep, burns right through him and into the reactor room for the mining colony. Oh, I would like to take a moment to give props to the 100% A-plus special effects. <laughs> Of the monster rearing up. Oh, yeah. And then just jumping on him? I think so, yes. Or applying itself on him? See, now knowing what I know about... What was his name? Janos. Janos. I feel kind of bad for Blonde Actor Guy because that was probably traumatizing on a number of levels. And not to disparage his memory, probably took five men to keel him off. (laughs) So... There's a scream, and Shatner runs in only a way that Shatner can run. Mm-hmm. With great purpose and very chesty. He runs with his chest. How does that even happen? So well, he does, actually. He runs in this very strangely upright way. Yeah. Chris Evans does it, too. Yeah. He, he, we could almost say he was acting. Yeah, there's whole articles about the weird way that Chris Evans runs, and Shatner runs very similarly. Like, he keeps his whole torso completely straight when he runs, which is not the way most people run. It's very odd. Well, what was it? Kelly Sue DeConnick was talking about when she creates characters, what part of the body they leave with has a lot to do with their personality, right? And so Shatner, or Kirk, Kirk, runs with his chest. Mm -hmm. Just a pointer, just, you know, after many... Days, hours spent observing Chatner's body. He doesn't always leave with the same part, though. Because sometimes, a lot of the time, he comes into the room with his, like, the top of his head. Sure. But it varies. When he's going off to fight monsters, you're right. It's definitely, like, chest and shoulders first. Yeah. I have definitely not spent as much as you guys observing how Shatner moves. I hadn't thought of that until she said it, but she's right. I have an amazing, amazing ability to make minutiae. (laughs) <laughs> about Shatner. Interesting yeah. and topical. It's a very specific talent. You're welcome. So they go into the reactor room. I didn't room. say thank you. <laughs> you said it with your eyes, Kim. So they go into the reactor room where no one is wearing any protective gear. No, they duck right under the sign that says caution radiation. <laughs> but it's fine. I know my favorite part it's is fine. like Spock tells Kirk, don't touch the hole. It's covered in corrosive acid. And everyone's like, Okay, and just like hunches down a little bit smaller <laughs> yeah. to walk through it. Yeah, acid drips. I'm like, find a glove and open the door. Acid. Apparently, that didn't occur to anybody. Well, yeah. again, they're in a reactor. Yeah, which, reactor, which is not working anymore because, and this was the part point where I'm like, oh, because something has there's a hole burned in the reactor casing, and something has been not destroyed, taken, but taken. 
So taken. Question. That is a tiny hole. Yeah. Not enough for an entire horta to get in. Which it must have limbs. It had to made a tiny feeler out, grab this, and then grab it out. But with it... <laughs> Ew! Don't do that! Ew! <laughs> Very disturbing. Oh! Thinking, you do it all the time. I was thinking of a butterfly. Like, what was it? Proboscis? Oh, like, I don't like See. these finger motions. Please put those away. Ah! Okay, I am literally like five minutes away from just noping out of the rest of this podcast. So however the Horta does it. But how did it do it without like burning it? Maybe it'll, well obviously it doesn't like, it isn't like corrosive on contact because Spock touches it later and it's fine. Well, the, the, it's good on top, danger on the bottom. <laughs> well, apparently it can control whether or not it releases, it? well apparently. No, because I think it like, like, how to describe this in words. Swan dived. Yeah, but I like, think it like to I think it like spits it or something. My corrosive acid hose theory is looking there. better see? and better. See, that's she's right. She's wrong. <laughs> but however it does it, it actually stole a part. Yes, from the reactor that was necessary to make it, you know, go. Yeah. Well, also to get air in there. Yeah. So because so, the reactor runs everything: the lights, the power, yes, the air, the air, the air, air filtration air, air. system. Yes. Yeah. So essentially Smart now. Monster. Kirk's hand has been forced. Mm-hmm. Apparently the monster knew that Kirk was coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they did spend an awful lot of time down in the cave. Yeah, yeah. The Enterprise is coming. Yeah, so essentially the hand has been forced that they are either going to die slow death from poisoning or asphyxiation. Take your pick. Yeah. They either have to find the missing piece, at which point, I, the missing part, which, which I pulled the Shel Silverstein reference, and I started, like, tearing yeah. up. So they can either find it or die. Oh, and by the way, their reactor is so shitty and old and antiquated that the Enterprise can't fix it. No. This was my favorite part when they call (laughs) Scotty and he's like, no, no, that's old. That thing's like antique. I can probably find some stuff to plug the hole for a little while, but it ain't gonna last. For like 48 hours. He says odds and ends. Yeah, and he's he's also very angry. He's like, hilariously, hilariously angry, mocking, but like... Really? This? You want me to work with this? Yeah, so the pressure's on because there are 12 other planets whose reactors are closing because they don't have the proscenium or whatever the heck it is. Pergeum. Good enough, the per diem. And they have a space staff meeting, which I always love because everyone's <laughs> pouring themselves some coffee, yep. chilling, talking it over. That, you know, it's been 50 years in production, but now they've got this monster. But there isn't a monster, according to sensors. How so? Speculate, Spock. Yes. Well, this is another part. Sorry, before we spark Spock. Before Spock spark, start speculating, Jesus Christ, say that five times fast. Um, Kirk, his focus is on getting back up so they can get the production back on track. Yes. And the admin dude in yellow is mostly like, but what about my people? Are they gonna? More of them gonna die? And this was where capitalist Kirk showed his head again. Capitalist he, Kirk is under a lot of pressure. Yeah, and he, yeah, because he says basically like, well, okay, we either have to find that thing, or we'll all die, or I just have to evacuate you all. Yeah. But I'd rather not do that because all these other planets need what you make. And yeah, so, and then um, is it Kirk who says? Oh, it's Spock. Spock's the one who notes um. So it took a very specific part. Out of that uh, reactor there, Kirk completely fails to take the hint and is like, okay, but this mine's been here for 50 years. Why now is there a monster? 
Because one leads to two. Like, is it not just, like, completely obvious to everybody? Like, you opened a new level. You released something. You found a thousand mysterious balls. <laughs> Don't talk about the balls. I'm pretty sure that if I found that many balls, I would take a step back and go, Ooh, that's a suspiciously <laughs> large number of balls there. Yeah. Hmm. So, at this point, Spock speculates in one of my favorite sci-fi I moments. I like this a lot. I really because like this. you actually see him very early on go, this is weird and kind of mm, almost organic looking. And you can see his train of thought throughout the episode going, yeah. oh, oh, it's not, oh, oh. And this is what I like about some of the episodes of Original Trek. That it's essentially yeah. a logic puzzle. Yeah. So if it is not carbon-based, of which we know life to be, then it has to be from another element. Yeah, and our sensors are all calibrated to look for thing- life as carbon-based. And our sensors are saying there's no life here. But what if there's something alive here that our sensors can't detect because mm-hmm. it's not carbon-based? Mm-hmm. And everyone looks at him like he's nuts. Okay. Kirk, yes. m- my note from this is that Kirk dramatically sips his space coffee. <laughs> so, I have a lot of critique here. So, yes. Says that it's in silicon, that there this would be a new natural order. And McCoy says, no, it's physiologically impossible. At which point, in all caps, I have in my notes, you are in space. <laughs> Why would that be impossible? You are meeting every single day new and weird things. Well, yeah, but if they've been, you know, in space for a hundred years and they've got five hundred years of human hit or thousand years of human history plus whatever collective knowledge of the rest of the species in the galaxy that they know, and not a single one of them is silicon, anything other than a carbon-based life form, every piece of evidence you have in front of you will be saying there is nothing in the world except carbon-based life. But you're, the Enterprise's mission is supposed to go to uncharted space, space where no one has been before. They are also not in uncharted space. They are in a space that has a very successful colony that's been kicking around for a while. Just because there hasn't been something like that, why would they totally discount the possibility of there being something like that? Because it's very highly unlikely, and I think I don't think their incredulity, or whatever the word is, is out of place. Really? Yeah. But the idea of life being on our planet is incredulous. It doesn't make any sense why we should be here. It's a number of random events that just happen to run our way. Why wouldn't they have happened randomly another way in a different planet? Because there's a Next Generation episode that explains why there's life. comes from this one. (laughs) Um, There, I mean, there definitely was, in biochemistry, the theory of life-based on something other than carbon, even when this episode was made. And more recently, um, there was a NASA, I think it was a, a NASA probe, a NASA scientist found a bacteria that was based on, I think, arsenic? Yes! Ha, ha, arsenic. Ha, ha, ha. Yes, I, I thought that you would really enjoy that in an Agatha Christie kind of way. I do! I do! Oh, it was found in Mono Lake, California in, I think, 2012, 2010. But I don't know that they've ever actually found real silicon-based life. But it... I remember, I actually vaguely remember someone talking about this in, like, high school biology class. Someone other than me brought up <laughs> this question. I was thinking of the next-gen episode, not this one. But now I kind of wish I'd gone back in time and asked uh, teenage me to ask it specifically in reference to this. Because the word horta is also now used in mining in the real world. Really? As a backronym. Yeah. Oh. Um, I don't think it's implausible that, you know, on a planet that, like, the whole thing they're talking about on this planet is it's got massive quantities of these known elements that are all based in 
like stuff that's you find elsewhere in the galaxy and human inhabitable worlds and all that kind of stuff that positing a completely off the charts new type of life form is it's yeah it's wacky and it's out there and they definitely should be like that's kind of crazy and why would anybody think that on a planet full of known quantities like if it was a planet where they showed up and they're like holy shit there's a bunch of new elements and i don't know it just didn't seem like a thing that was implausible to me. It's a giant metal planet full of... It's like they call it a treasure trove, which indicates to me that there are not a lot of planets like this, so it's very special in that way. Why would it not be on a regular planet where you could find something based off a a not-carbon-based, so another element? To me, it doesn't seem that crazy. I find it unlikely that biochemistry as a science, by this point, because this is from their present, how, what, 200, 300 years forward it's some hundreds of years sure but you know surely biochemistry has gone on to formulate even solider theories than the ones that they had then that posit that well okay hypothetically this could exactly like i'm surprised that in like starfleet academy you wouldn't be introduced to the fact that yes as we know it we are life is carbon-based but within the realm of possibility it could be something else You, you never know because you're going out into space yeah so, six red shirts beam down. <laughs> six red shirts beam up. Guys, did any red shirts die? Kim, I Yes. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I only remember one, but I'm sure there was No, one. there was, there's actually, this is one of my favorite bits, is you get this line of six red shirts here, <laughs> and they turn off, and they march off, and they go and do their thing. One of them dies. And then you come back and Kirk has another line of red shirts, but there's eight of them. So they actually brought down like a replacement plus two more. And Vendor Butts is complaining and he says, there is no safe place on this planet for our people to be while you are searching for this monster. And they're like, it can just go right through walls. Yeah, it can just walk right through walls. Well, maybe you should like get out of the mine, walk 50 feet down the planet so you're away from the entrance so that you'll be able to see it if it comes all the way 23 floors up to the top. I would also go on vacation. That mm. too. Yeah. Um, my favorite bit about this line of red shirts is Kirk forbids them to die. <laughs> <laughs> Which apparently does not turn out. So Kirk and Spock go off in one direction and Spock says, well, I'm going to adjust my tricarder to read for silicon. Why not share that vital information with everybody else? I know it's a hunch. Does anybody else even have a tricorder? Why wouldn't they have a tricorder? That is an excellent question. They just go blundering around with their phasers. Their security don't work. Their security grunts. I would honestly send my science people. But yeah, Yeah. they, they keep this vital information to themselves. But he does manage to find a brand new monster tunnel. That which which was done within the hour. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first thing in here that happens, though, is that we have a red shirt who dies. Yeah. Who yes. definitely has enough time to fire his phaser. And does and not. does not. He just stands there yeah. and goes, oh, no, three, four, five, six, <laughs> dead. <laughs> yeah. He dies mostly at his own hand, I would argue. Yeah. And then there's a shot of his kind of dead body. There are clearly two people who are supposed to be still, like Kirk and Spock are supposed to be looking down, and there's clearly only one pair of boots. Yeah. <laughs> And Kirk has a sexy, sad, grumpy moment, which I dug. Oh, yeah. Where he looks down at the grizzled teeth and chip of bone of his former security grunt and goes... 
Karine, you realize this is a podcast and no one can see your dramatic facial they expressions. can assume it. Picture my face in your head, except it's Shatner's face, and it looks sad, but like, grumpy sad and angry and like feels the burden of command. There's another problem mm. with that in that most of the people who listen to this probably don't know you and don't know what you look like. Just picture Shatner's face. Shatner's good enough. Um, but the monster has left behind a chunk of hide? No. Well, no, they shoot it and then a flop flops off. Well, this, sure. is, this is when we first see it. This yeah. is the first time we see yeah. it and I actually put the monster appears, and I put monster in quotation marks, because um, I said it's just a man in a molten rock cro- costume crawling across the ground, and I was more baffled as to what anybody was thinking about the production design than, like... And now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> it just makes it even more baffling. It is a garbage monster, but it is also an amazing monster. Yeah, I, I wrote it down that it's both laughably terrible but also strangely effective as a monster it is and i want to give yanos a little bit of credit here yeah. and that it kind of moves in a scintillating interesting manner and it seems sentient and alive yeah. and interesting which is a weird thing to say about a piece of carpet yeah yeah with bubbles on it well they kind of like yeah like br- like a breathing lava uh, carpet. Yeah, it. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, none of it good. But <laughs> so um, yeah, they find a gloop of it, which Kirk immediately goes over and touches with his bare hands. And if it's highly corrosive, should you be touching it? Yeah, Kirk's allowed to touch anything he wants. Yeah, and um, this is the one thing I did note about this little piece that they have, though, is the whole thing was pulsating. Yes, yeah. it is still pulsing as he picks it up. Yeah. <sighs> so there's a problem that is impossible to kill, and then there's an amazing. I think Kirk or Spock is like, "It's a killer, and now it's wounded. There's nothing more dangerous than a wounded animal." That's Kirk. Yep. Shut up. No, no, that's Kirk. And so they start going through the duct tape tunnels. Mm-hmm. And Spock says, I am only detecting one creature. And Kirk says, but there's so many tunnels. And they sort of theorize, like, does that mean that it has a really long lifespan? Or that it's the last of its kind. It is a buffalo. Okay, good <laughs> thing. Another wait, 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 hang on. Thank you for saying buffalo. Because the entire time I was watching this, all I was thinking about was like, oh, it's Salt Monster Redux. Yeah. Something is inconveniencing Kirk, so he's going to go and kill it, even if it's the last of its kind, or the only one of its kinds. Like, he starts out from the position of, let's murder it. There's no, even like Spock is like, do we have to kill it? Can't we capture it? And Kirk's like, no, no, we're going to go kill it. And it was, it was Spock, it was just Salt Monster, Salt Monster Part 2, as far as I was concerned, in terms of Kirk. Except it's killing people. Killed 50 people. 54 or 5? 54, at least by this point. We had the same discussion about the salt monster, because the salt monster killed people, too, yeah. to survive. Same thing here, even though we don't know it at the time. I would argue that salt monster did not have to kill people to no, survive. It they could have eaten salt tablets. Yeah. And the pizza monster is not killing people to survive. It is killing people it's for revenge. very good reasons. It is yeah. revenge. Um, 
So there, but there is that kind of tension between you know this and is they don't know that at this point. They don't know anything about. They it. They only know, know that there is this creature something. that is unkillable that is killing people. And then, as far as they know, it's the only one that they've seen. Yeah, yeah, and that's why. And Kirk doesn't take any time to say, "Okay, let's try and figure out what it wants, what's it doing, or its purpose." They, at he this starts point, from the purpose point of we're going to kill it. Well, at this point, they have no evidence that it's sentient. But they don't have any evidence that it's not. I don't think you can go from a base point of, oh, it's sentient. We well, if we're supposed to spend our entire it. time wandering around the universe expecting to find non-carbon-based life form and not ruling it out, we can't, certainly can't rule out that anything new we find is not sentient. I don't know that one necessarily follows the other. Like, alive is not the same thing as sentient. No, but mm. if, if you're going to go through your whole life, wouldn't you rather start from the assumption that something is possibly going to be sentient? Rather than starting out with the basis that everything you meet is a filthy animal. Yeah, no, I agree with Kim in that you have to give it the benefit of the doubt of sentience before you kill it. But in this case, it is killing people. Just in enormous numbers. I also think that by now the evidence of, hmm, didn't start happening until we broke through to level minus 20 (laughs) billion. Hmm, things that are definitely obviously eggs. Mm, they should have put this information together to reach the obvious, what turns out to be the obvious conclusion. Whether it's sentient or not, that should be like, oh, we're killing its eggs. Maybe that's why it keeps killing us. They're not the most genre-savvy space movie. <laughs> they, they are not. No, they're not genre-savvy. No. And Kirk says, sorry, not sorry, but the creature must die. And Spock says, seems a pity. Yeah. So we go back to reconvene more red shirts and yeah. they beam down yeah. for a suicide yeah. squad. Yeah. And, red shirts. and if you count them up here, there's eight of them because yes. they've replaced the one who died and added two more. <laughs> and I love that. I thought that was a great detail. Yeah. The worst pep talk ever. It is not inspiring. It is not. Kurt, no. Well, Spock starts this off by like, okay, we're going to go out and if, maybe we'll capture this thing. And Kirk turns around and goes, we okay, talk. we're going to go out and kill it. Um... And so Kirk says, mm, you should stay behind with the kids. Yeah. I mean, Scotty. <laughs> You're the second in command. We can't bear to lose you. I love this. I love that he, like, comes up with this extremely stupid, like, mm-hmm. facade to, like, what? Spare Spock's pride. Which he doesn't have any. No. But he feels, like, compelled. It's like, it's not that I think you're incompetent. It's not even that I'm mad at you. Which, I mean, he completely reasonable to be pissed at him in command sense because he definitely disobeyed orders there. Mm-hmm. But, like, he just he doesn't want his, like, feelings to be hurt. He doesn't want it to look like he's disciplining him. I mean, you should stay. For reasons. Yes. Because if you go and we're both killed, there'll be no one left. And Spock says the odds of that happening are 2,228.7 to 1. Kirk says those are pretty good odds. Yeah. And so they go on a magical adventure friend mystery tour together. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> you got way too excited about that. I have they loved they it. had the little the little doo doo doo. Yes. These guys are friends. Music. <laughs> and Van Butts is like, we're gonna look too. And Kirk's like, Ooh. you got no phasers. Yeah. We don't like, have any for you. We'll use clubs. Apparently they're not the only ones with, like, a suicide squad mentality here. One of the things that I was interested in is that Kirk says to Spock in here, there were over a hundred people involved in this search, which means half the, like, half the population of the Enterprise is on this planet searching. Is that... Unless no, I think that includes the, the miners. miners. It includes the miners, But yeah. he's not letting them come because they don't have weapons. Well, they... Yeah. They do come. I, I, maybe not that they didn't have weapons, they didn't have enough weapons. They had, they had, um... They call them phaser one and phaser two. They class one phasers. The um, little ones yeah. that are not as powerful as the class two phasers, which are the ones that actually look like guns. Yeah. 
which apparently do yes. work on them. So they are running out of air. Oh well, yes, uh, the patch job has failed, and they have ten hours of either the uh, reactor will melt down and kill them all with radiation poisoning, and in the meantime, the air is going bad. Yes. So Van Butts peoples go off with their space baseball bats, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. And then Kirk and Spock go in a different direction. And at a certain point, Spock is like, we're being watched. Yeah. At which point, I can buy the cameras? Because we have seen no evidence of cameras here. Nope. Not ever. And so they decide to split up for real. Yep. Down a tunnel that apparently joins back up further down. Kirk's like, it's okay, we'll meet up further down. And Spock's like, this seems like a bad idea because I am genre savvy. <laughs> and Kirk's like, no, nah, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So there, he says, oh, there are two tunnels. There's two of us, so we got to separate. These are monster tunnels. These are monster tunnels. That are clearly made of duct. And so Kirk, I guess, finds a layer of balls. First, he kind of skips along the path as Spock watches him leave. <laughs> yeah. Thinking, this is a terrible idea. Why are humans so stupid? Yeah, and then there's a tiny tunnel, tiny tunnel, giant Nimoy, which is going to be the name yes. of the punk rock band. <laughs> <laughs> And then, yes, Kirk stumbles on some balls. And he calls Spock, and he says, I found a whole layer of these things. And Spock's like, oh, don't damage any. Because he has definitely figured it out. I think he's figured it out a while ago, but he was trying to figure out how to explain it in a way that didn't make all of the humans go, Psh, no. Here's the thing. Spock, I feel, if I had to sit down with him as his manager and talk about, like, what his... his um, Strengths and weaknesses? Thank you. What his strengths and weaknesses are? I would definitely put in the weakness category his inability to communicate with anyone else. Yeah. Like, certain things you shouldn't keep to yourself. Like, maybe if you have your tricorder scanned to silicon things, that guy would still be alive. Mm-hmm. So, we should talk Share about that. Group. Share with the group. Also, that you have to modify your phaser to be shooting at silicon. Again, mm-hmm. share mm-hmm. with others. Mm-hmm. And also that the silicon balls might actually be tiny babies. Yeah. Uh, don't wreck them or it will wreck you. Also, BT dubs, that you might be going into heat at some point in the reasonably near future and maybe you should have that on your medical records or something. What? Very valid criticism. Yeah, Ponfar. Oh. Information you should probably share with your... Uh, Everyone. You oh. should share with everyone. Yeah, no, I'm completely fine with Spock keeping stuff to himself because most people are just going to go, oh, you're not human, stop talking. <laughs> I think something in a life or death situation, yeah. I'd be willing to entertain the possibility of maybe not dying yeah. by carrying a tricorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, the pizza monster tries to kill Kirk Oh yes, with a cave-in. Okay, yes, so he caves in the roof. And yes. Spock is trapped, and he's like, okay, I'm going to have to go back the other way. No, 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 no. There is a beautiful moment where Spock is worried. Oh, that's right, because he hears the cave-in, and he's like, Captain, Captain, Jim! Jim! Yeah. <gasps> Please proceed with extreme caution. He gets very emotional. I will increase my pace. Yeah. yeah the, as far as I could tell, the rock monster didn't cave in Spock's access to Kirk. He caved in Kirk's access to the tunnel that he came in through. I think I, I wasn't really clear the geography of this because Spock just tunnel. kept going. He didn't turn around. I'm okay, pretty sure they met in the ballroom. The ball. Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> either way, he the, it's like a ball pit, if you will, kind of. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So he blocked off one direction and he had to turn around. 
And then you get this... That's mean to One Direction. You should let them out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And this was, I thought, a really cool effect because the monster burns its way into the room. I thought this was a really cool effect, especially for for the 1960s. It It sort of... It was neat. I'm trying to think of what to compare it to because it just sort of glows. And then it actually looks like... I guess they sort of, um, like cut in a, a frame of something burning yeah. in, like, low opacity. It looked really cool. Have you... Were you ever in a theater where the film caught on fire? Yes. No. It was like that. Yeah. But it was a really cool effect. That's good. It sort of goes red hot and then burns away, and there's the monster. Dun, dun, dun! And then Kirk takes up a bitching stance. Yep. At which point, I would like to interject. I had this note before, but I didn't know if I needed to show it. He has his phaser pointed directly at his junk all the time. They all do. I, I don't know if they, they It's all a do. laser! Yeah. They can become eunuchs and I wonder if it is really not 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 the time, but yes, it's it's an odd choice. Like pointing directly at it. Yeah. It seems unsafe. It does. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm not their HR slash manager. No. More's the pity. So then Kirk and the Pizza Monster play peekaboo. Yes. It's more like Red Rover. Or chicken. Mm. Yeah. If they play a nice little game. And I'm going to say that um, our favorite animal <laughs> impersonator, uh, Yanos, does a really good job. Yeah. They, it's very real tension. It moves in an alien manner. Yeah. It, you, you believe Kirk is in danger. Yeah. Even though it is clearly a guy wearing a carpet. Draped in a carpet. At the same time. I couldn't get over the dude draped in a carpet crawling around on all fours portion of this. And Spock jumps into the scene and says, kill it! Kirk says. Yeah, this is the right before, up until the point where Spock jumps in, that's the part I had the vivid childhood memory of. Yeah. Is this scene where he's like standing there in the tunnel with the monster, facing down the monster, holding his phaser. And then I actually really liked this bit because Kirk is all aggressive and freaked out, and then the monster does these very subtle, and you see Kirk's body language slowly changing throughout Mm -hmm. this encounter, where it's like, it goes from being aggressive and defensive to thoughtful. Yeah. And by the time Spock comes in, he's not even pointing his phaser at it anymore. He's just standing there going, oh, oh, we fucked up. (laughs) And so Spock tells him to kill it, and Kirk says, maybe no. Maybe I thought you wanted to save this it. Out. Maybe we talk this out. Yeah. Yeah, because he says, I thought you wanted to save it, Spock. And Spock's like, that's before I had you, like, trapped in a tunnel about to kill you. Spock nerves, girl. Yes. And, and he asks the monster, so now what? And now they mind melt. <laughs> well, first the monster turns around and shows the giant blot of whiteout, I guess, where it was shot before. Glob. Glob. It shows White its glob. glob. Your phasers. <laughs> hurt me um and so kirk tells him kirk tells Spock to mind meld with this creature yeah and so like oh yeah you're you're psychic right yeah yeah you can actually mind it's, no it's Spock's idea all right uh, and, and kirk says oh i know it's a terrible terrible when you lower lower the barriers in your personality <laughs> but it's so important so important yeah, basically Spock walks in. He's like, so I think I understand what's happening here, but first I have to mind meld with this murder rock. I'm really enjoying the various ways that Spock is mind melding with yeah. things. Like a couple episodes ago, he mind melded with the door. <laughs> this time he just mind melds near the object that he wants to communicate. It's like, 
just stand like two feet in front of it and put my hands out. Well, that's like level one mind meld. <sighs> Later just, on, he does level two mind melds. It's just so bizarre. How, how handy to have that. Because I had forgotten yeah. that he mind melds with the murder rock. And he's mind like, okay, so I have to mind meld with this rock now. And I was just like, what? It's called acting, Ari. Yeah. It's called acting. Well, obviously. Um, and then Nimoy gives a hell of a performance. I presume this is the bit where he makes made Shatner laugh a lot. Yeah. He puts his hands on the pizza monster and... Wait, no, no, he no, no. We yet. missed a bit here. You missed the part where the uh, the lava monster guy here goes over to a rock and burns the words. That's and after. No. No, no. He, he does the level one mind bump where he doesn't actually touch it, where he just yes. screams, Pain! And it's then, an agony! Yeah. And then um, it burns the message in the rock because it got just enough English, I guess, to write, No, no kill, kill I. Apparently. Which is delightfully interpretable because Kirk's like, does that mean don't kill me? Or does that mean... Or I won't kill anything else. Yeah. I love this so It was much. so good. When it kind of slithers away off the rock. Backs away yes. into a corner like it's cringing. Which it's a little message. Something that yeah. you, you were about to kill with no yeah. knowledge that it was an intelligent species. Yes. Oh, and Spock says it's actually very smart and sophisticated and it calls itself a Horta. Oh, so good. I love this. Um, and Kirk says, okay, that's great. We need that MacGuffin that it took. <laughs> And Spock's like, okay, yeah, but why the fuck should it help us? And so, then <laughs> I love this. We need to win its confidence. So he calls Bones. Spock's like, it's a rock. What's Bones gonna do? And Kirk's like, he's a healer, right? Yeah, he'll be fine. So McCoy beams down, and the expression so on I his can't... face is. Well, this is not the weirdest thing I have caught Spock doing. <laughs> As he is, like, sensually massaging the pizza monster, screaming things like, The Chamber of Ages! The Altar of Tomorrow! Murderers! Murderers! McCoy takes a look around the room and goes, What the fuck, guys? Yeah. And Kirk, the gestures with, Yeah, fix that, fix that thing up. He takes a look at it and says, I am... <laughs> Doctor, not a bricklayer, <laughs> which is the first time he says his catchphrase. Well, actually, I want to note that he does, like, Kirk says, you've got a patient. And, and Bones walks across the room and starts to examine it before he really, like, before he checks himself. It's completely reflex. It's like, you've got a patient. He goes across the room and looks like, wait a minute, that's a fucking rock. Wait a minute. And in the meantime, Spock is wailing, we murdered the children! And McCoy's yeah. like, fuck. Which is where anyone who still life. hadn't worked out what was going on finally realizes, oh. Also, the thing that you sort of, I don't know if we've not got to it yet or skipped over it, is the uh, miners off in another part of the mine yeah. are doing their best angry villager routine. Yeah. And they've done basically everything except light, uh, grab their pitchforks and light torches. Burning brands. To, and like, secu- the security guys are trying to like, contain them. Yeah. Yes. And so McCoy is asking to beam down some thermal cement and he's saying to the transporter people, again, <laughs> you can almost see their facial expressions in your mind saying, well, this is not the weirdest thing we've ever had to beam down for the Enterprise crew. Um, he says, I don't care. I don't care why I want it. I, just give it to me. <laughs> don't ask questions. And so then Spock breaks off the meld and gives us the backstory that we've all figured out by essentially page one. Yep. That this is a species where they all live for a really long time, and then 
they die? All they, of them, but one, one. But one die, and, and that one's of- left hanging around with the eggs for a while, hoping it doesn't die until the next brood yeah, hatches. This seems like a really poor evolutionary choice. This is a shitty species. Also, my question is, where are all the dead Horta corpses? I assume they self-destruct with all the acid. Or turn back oh, into rock. Interesting. Maybe that's why there's so many mineral deposits on the Oh my god. Oh, Actually, yeah, I thought of that minerals. earlier. It's like mm, that the reason. Grim. Like, not, maybe not even the horde themselves, but whatever they do to make their tunnels oh, or their yeah. waste or. But, um. You call them natural, <laughs> natural miners. Batter moles! Yes. What? It's from Avatar. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> they are. <laughs> badger moles were made of like lava carpet. Yeah. I totally buy that. Yeah, the you. Fire Nation version of badger moles. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, the miners really, uh, really want to burst in and kill the monsters. The red shirts are doing the best they can, holding back the angry mob. And you can tell they don't agree. They're like, "This is what the captain said we had we to do. We are going to do what the captain said so we are going God. to do." Yeah. They are going to sit there with that murder monster. And Spock who, uh, gets the information from the monster about where the MacGuffin is, and he directs him down a tunnel where Kirk finds the MacGuffin and also a bunch of broken eggshells. Aww. Yeah, and he picks it. His face is just stricken. He picks up. He picks up like a couple of eggshells, and he's like, "Oh shit." And he comes back into the chamber where the Horta and Bones, who was so angry he was wrong about the silicone thing, mm. holding the shell in one hand and the MacGuffin in the other hand, going, um, so they were eggs, huh? Of course they were eggs. The ma- the miners show up, Kirk explains, and they're like, oh, babies. Babies. We've killed thousands of them. Yeah. And McCoy stands up and says, I can cure a rainy day, bitches! Actually, right, I want to go back a second, because before he, um, Kirk actually comes back out to see the miners, the miners break through the tiny little line of red shirts and beat them really a lot with sticks. Like, they knocked down one red shirt, and it's one guy hitting him, and the other guy hitting him with a giant... A pipe or something? Like three, four times? And I'm like, whoa, guys. Somebody's getting court-martialed. Or something. Fire, at the very least, I should hope. Um, And that's when Kirk comes out. And, yeah, the, the miners are basically running down the hallway, ready to, like, murder everyone. Kirk's like, okay, stop or I will definitely shoot you. And to their credit, when the situation is explained to them, they feel... Yeah. But we did not know. Yeah, Spock comes out and explains the completely ridiculous and um, really poor adaptation life cycle of the Horta, where every 50,000 years they all die. Like, I. It's like an error. It really does, doesn't it? Um, But I guess they have no natural predators until all these jerk humans showed up. I don't know. Um, Yeah, so they have no objection to she, uh, because Kirk. And Spock both describe it as a she. Yes. She has had no objection to sharing this world with you until you broke into her nursery and started destroying her eggs. Fair. Yeah. Completely fair. So they decide to make a secret science alliance where the hoarder will dig for them and they will not kill babies. Reasonable. Yep. Strong plan. Mm-hmm. Nice colonial. And that's that. Yeah. And so they go back up to the ship. Oh, yes, and, and Bones has, has fixed the Horta. Yes, with, with cement. cement. Okay, that was my favorite part when yeah. he's like, he I fixed up. it. <laughs> I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. Yes. 
And so then there's a little nice bit on the bridge where Spock's like, oh, the horde thought I was the most handsome human that she'd ever seen because my ears are so pointy and nice. I did it hard to tell her that I wasn't human. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Uh, and they hear back from the colony. It's like, it's, it's going great. The babies are hatching. We're finding tons of stuff. They're building tunnels. We don't even ask them to. They just love digging. Yay. And Kirk's like, yeah, you're going to be filthy rich. Ha, 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 I like Star Trek better once they got rid of the idea of money, honestly. <laughs> so the, the Horta eggs, they're little toy bouncy balls that were painted gold. That's amazing. Aw. Yeah. Wait, they were gold? They, they were really purple to me, actually. They were purple. They were gold to me. They were purple. I mean, they had a gold sort of shimmer on them, but... Gold sheen? Yeah. Gold sheen? Yeah. I love this episode. Um, Kim, what do you think your life lesson would be to draw from this? Yay, capitalism! But capitalism killed the babies. Yeah, but it's okay at the end because they were able to create a partnership where the hoarder got nothing back except the opportunity to dig and they got to give away all of their natural resources to the people who moved onto their planet. So yay, capitalism! I don't think they had any use for the uh, natural resources at all since I'm pretty sure they were made by baby hoarder waste. Oh, that's interesting. So, kind of like the what is it? Compost the and dune. Yeah. So where that's I, I, that was that was my mental comparison for them. Is that they're like they're like the worms and dune, the great worms. I don't know if you could tell, but I didn't like this episode. I really liked this episode. I, I love this episode. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. And the sets were so cool. Yeah, they did. A I love the sets. Job on so this. much. Um, good set design. Good hoarder design, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Ari, life lesson. Think, don't just react. That's fair. I think my lesson would be if it's round and spherical, it's either balls and or eggs. And there are thousands of them and perfectly spherical. Yeah. Balls or eggs. Uh, either or. Balls or eggs. So there is a there's a TNG episode called Home Soil that is obviously one of the episodes that takes an, an original series episode and runs with it. That's the one on the terraforming planet with the... The things that look like sand that are... It's another silicone-based life form. Oh, that one's much... water. That one's much better well, than Well, it's basically... One. It does what this episode did, but with, you know, 1990 social sensibilities layered on top of it. It's much better. That That is also a very good episode, but I really do enjoy this one. But I, I, I'm mentally assigning a continuity between them because it makes both of them more enjoyable. Um, like I said, Horta is in an existing, like a real-life acronym except it's a backronym in the real mining industry in the real world now it's uh underground geographic positioning technology and it was developed by a canadian mining company in the 1990s based on something earlier developed for the u.s military it's a backronym that was deliberately taken from star trek for this purpose yeah um it stands for honeywell or retrieval and tunneling aid oh yeah Star Trek does make the world go round. It does. So, death count. Uh, three people on screen and 50 before the show showed up. Yeah. The, sh- the ship showed up. So, Whoa. 53 people. That is a high body count. It is a very high body count. It is. Yeah. Um, Ari, your count? Uh, one lady. <laughs> Just we the see one. for about a second in the background. And, Barely uh, a lady appearance at all. Four people of color all on the Enterprise crew. Mm-hmm. Mining, not super inclusive, apparently, even in, you know, the 23rd century. Uh, yeah. That is fair. So we hope that you've enjoyed Silicon Monster at least as much as Ari and I have. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe more than Kim, hopefully. Somewhere in the middle. Definitely in the middle. Who are you going to get performance of the episode to? 
Oh, this is really tough because I think everyone really had their moment to shine. Like, I loved Nimoy's mind melt. I thought it was very funny. You thought it was funny? Oh, yes. It was very funny. Uh, he was over, he had his acting dial turned up to 12. <laughs> and I thought um, Shatner did a really good job. And considering that his, he just learned that his father had passed away, I thought he turned in a really great performance as well. But I have to give it to Janos Prohaska, the animal interpreter <laughs> who was playing the Horda. I thought for all the weirdness... <laughs> And possible scariness. Of the costume? Like, yeah, I pulled it off. I felt for the Horda. Yeah. Which is not words that I ever thought I would think yeah, I'd be I was, I was going to do the same. Yeah, really? Yeah. Episode uh, to Horda. Yeah. All right, Kim. Oh, ne- uh, Leonard Nimoy. Yeah? Yeah. I didn't think his performance was funny. I thought it was I, I didn't the, at the best time. one of the show, of the episode, like, just and his character was the most sensible through the whole thing. So. That is true, but that is always true. That, the, he, that is the entire purpose of his character, is to be the most sensible person there. And I like spy. that. All right, so that is... Horta! Horta!